Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news shortly, and of course, our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson will be joining us throughout the show. Then it all begins again. Not 12 months since the epic final of the World Cup in Qatar and a tournament where the Socceroos took us on a wild ride of qualification from the heady undefeated heights where a record qualifying streak was created to the brink of missing out, but for the manic antics of Andrew Redmayne in goal against Peru and eventually what many considered an overachieving result where they tested the ultimate champions, Argentina, and thrilled the nation. This time, the ultimate destination is FIFA World Cup 2026 in USA, Canada, and Mexico, and it all begins in Melbourne this Thursday night at Amy Park against Bangladesh, with eight and a half slots available to Asia in the 48-team tournament for the first time. And if the national men's side need to take a circuitous route to just get to the big dance, our guest this week has had a career which has done just that. Moving to Australia from Scotland at the age of 11, he was part of the Ollie Roos squad who attempted to qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympics, and it wasn't till seven years later that he finally won his call-up against Mexico in September. Cameron Burgess is now part of an Ipswich Town lineup who, alongside Massimo Luongo, are going toe-to-toe with Leicester for promotion to the Premier League, and whose form has been so compelling that he's a key member of the squad. It's not often we get the chance to talk to one of the national players in match week, so we're really looking forward to having a yard from him from inside the camp. Then we head to Milan to talk to our old mate Adriano Del Monte from ESPN and Optus and pretty much every quality broadcaster beaming the world game into Australia. Adriano will be at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome when the Azzurri face their nemesis of Qatar, North Macedonia, ahead of another critical match just days later against Ukraine in two match days, which will tell us a lot more about whether they will defend their Euro title. The nation of Italy is on the edge of their seats, and I cannot wait to talk to Adriano about how he expects both games will pan out. Edge, can you believe it's World Cup qualifying again already? Hello, Rob. Hello to Derek and listeners, wherever you are, right around uh, Australia and other places of the world. Uh, I can actually, Rob, World Cup qualification is back. It's a a great time, the first international window when uh, it all starts for the Asian Football Confederation and the Socceroos. But first, Rob, a bit of breaking news, which I know you won't have in your news. It's it's not great news for the A-League. Cordamentha have announced that the sale of Perth Glory to Prime Land consortium has fallen through mm. um, they haven't met some preconditions in the um, conditional sale of contract contract of sale and as a result of that they've announced that they're now going back to the well and will re-engage with alternate interested parties so that's a, a blow for the a-leagues they thought they'd solve the conundrum in perth but we but thought they were focusing on selling Newcastle, and um, and now they're they're back to square one. Yeah, that that's that's not good news. But I mean, Derek, this is uh, not unusual in the world game. Um, you, you see lots of interested parties come in for clubs all over the world, and uh, uh, some have got the money, others don't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, buying and selling a football club is a very, very, very uh, technical business. It's tricky. You've got to thread the eye of the needle. The the dealer's got to be right on the the selling side of things or Cordamenta are there to to uh, to make sure that the value is is being reached and uh, then also you get shenanigans on the other side and, and we've seen with various 
clubs that have been trying to be taken over over recent months and, and years that are not all is not what it seems when you scratch the surface. So, yeah, not not disappointing, as Edge said. You know, we want for Perth Glory, we want some clarity there for that mighty club. But, um, you know, uh, they've, they've, they've got to find the right owner. So um, not a surprise. Yeah, better to know before um, than uh, find out, as we have all too often found out after the event. Okay, into the news. Last week, we flagged the potential for Steve Corrigan to be sacked from Sydney FC, and within the next 24 hours, it happened. Clearly, the Sky Blues had their man in mind, appointing recently departed Wellington Phoenix manager Ufuk Talley to be the club's new head coach. Talley, who has signed a contract until the end of 24-25, immediately got a result in one of the most hostile environments, travelling to Cooper Stadium to take on the inform and then unbeaten Adelaide and showed exactly what the squad is capable with a 5-1 drubbing. Edge, did you get to watch much of that match? It was like a, a heavyweight title fight uh, where uh, the, the big dog just walked in and went bang, crash, wallop. We've been waiting for them to arrive, haven't we? They've been ordinary the first few rounds, so well below par, and they got the job done, didn't they? And um, as you said, a, a more than a dead cat bounce. Yeah, no, exactly. And there were, you know, plenty of other games um, that, that were exciting over the course of, of the weekend. Uh, you know, the game that I went to on on th- Friday night, I should say. Uh, I'll talk about that later in, in stoppage time. Which was, uh, it was just a puzzling game. The fact that um, that that victory had all of those shots on goal and couldn't put it in the back of the net and eventually had a draw against Wellington Phoenix 1-all. Uh, Newcastle Jets, a good result away against Western United. Western Sydney Wanderers 2-1-2-0 against the aforementioned glory. Uh, the, uh, the, the the best game of the week, the most exciting, was uh, MacArthur FC coming to, to Melbourne and uh, and drawing 3-all with Melbourne City and Brisbane Roar away to the Central Coast Mariners 2-1 in the A-League women's Wellington Phoenix. Too good for Western United. Brisbane Roar picked up a point on the road in Gosford against Central Coast. Melbourne victory put four past the Newcastle Jets and Melbourne City managed to get the better of the Western Sydney Wanderers in a seven-goal thriller at Amy Park. Now, this is probably something that we expected to see at some point in the not-too-far-distant future, but it's happened very quickly. No minute sooner does he get a red card than Nestri Irinkunda is on the, the transfer market and uh, announced by uh, Fabrizio Romano on Friday night, uh, uh, not yet formally announced, but uh, the 17-year-old winger, uh, Edge, looks like he, he might have himself a, a $5 million, $3 million transfer to uh, to be um, Harry Kane's new best mate at Bayern Munich. Well, it's fantastic for Australian football if it is to be the case. And everybody that I've spoken to say that the deal is pretty much done subject to a medical. But um, yeah, look, it's 5 million euros, 3 million pounds. It's a big payday for an A-League club, Adelaide United, um, and a great and a great story and a great vote in confidence of uh, the development pathways here in Australia. And I've got to say, um, for Nestor Irukunda, it's a, it, it'll be great. He'll go to a club where he'll get um, an incredible uh, education and you know we might we might be seeing him in the big time sooner than we think and also mm. um, he'd have to figure into some sort of reckoning for a serious role in the World Cup qualification campaign for Australia. Yeah, it's just fantastic when we're, we're getting some of these young players filtering through to these top-level clubs so that their 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 latent skill can be polished and honed to to, to true world class and uh, they can hopefully deliver it on the, on the big stage uh, when they're winning, wearing the green and gold at some point. Now, in, that, uh, pre- in the Premier League, um, now, we knew it was going to come at some point. Um, there was, of course, the, the chaotic nine-man loss to Chelsea, but Ange Postacoglu's dream start to life in the Premier League is officially over. And under strength, Spurs looked 
like they had the match against Wolves in their keeping. They led 1-0 as regulation time expired only for the home side of the Molyneux to set the place alight with two injury time goals. It was a, a brilliant round of the English top flight. Chelsea lit up Stamford Bridge in an instant 4 all classic. You're going to get into detail on that game in, in stoppage time later in the week. Liverpool were just purring at Anfield and uh, uh, Brentford were, were, were not out of their depth, but Liverpool just uh, delivered Mo Salah back in, in his most imperious form. And of course, the Gunners were all class against Burnley, even though they conceded one, while Manchester United a 1-0 win over Luton. It was unconvincing, but three points nonetheless. So Derek, how do you assess all of that? Um, I, I know as much as you dislike Spurs um, within the very depth of your DNA, um, did you expect it to end like this? And do you expect uh, him to bounce back? Well, Andrew's got to go, hasn't he? I mean, it's an unacceptable run of form. Um, and uh, clearly Spurs are tumbling down the league now. So, yeah, he's going to be, going to be looking over his shoulder a little bit, I think. Um, look, you know, in, in, in some seriousness in Canada, um, I did feel like there needed to be a little bit of a regression to the mean at, at some point. Uh, I don't feel like Spurs were in bad shape at all. They're, they're tucked in nicely. Uh, in the top four, they'll have some players coming back from the suspensions at the very least. They'll obviously be concerned by the long-term injuries to Van der Ven and James Madison and Richarlison, in fact, as well, who's gone for for surgery. So, look, I, I'd say this is a blip. I, I don't see this as a uh, uh, a crisis yet. Uh, as you said, they were extraordinary, really, that in that Chelsea game, they, they nearly nearly got an equaliser and it was a toenail on the VAR that denied Eric Dyer that uh, that goal. So, look, I just think as we head into the international break, everything is just shaping up really nicely. It's a proper title race at the top. There's plenty going on below that that top, uh, top four as well. Clubs in and about the European positions. Um, we'll talk about Everton in stoppage time. They have turning their form around uh, quite dramatically as well. I suppose the only slightly depressing thing is that the bottom three is now the three promoted uh, sides who, who continue to struggle in the league this season. So, mm. um, yeah, but look, it's a great way to leave the Premier League heading into international break. And then, of course, when we uh, when we get back, uh, bang, Man City, Liverpool, straight, straight off the bat, uh, after that. So, um, yeah, as always, the Premier League delivers the narratives every week. Yeah, sure does. It's going to be a belter. Another competition that's delivering heaps of good narratives is the Bundesliga. I mean, Harry Kane, um, in another world, he's still in the Premier League playing under Ange Postacoglu. In the real one, he's not, uh, but he is in red-hot form. He has been since the moment he set foot on the park uh, with uh, with the, the, the German Titans. He's become the first ever player to score 17 goals in 11 Bundesliga games. Uh, as he found the back of the net twice in Bayern's 4-1 win over Heidenheim, but still find themselves two points adrift of top spotters Bayer Leverkusen hammered Union Berlin 4-0. Now, back to the Premier League momentarily. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Derek. Premier League clubs are set to vote to introduce a temporary ban on loan deals between associated party clubs, which needs 14 to 20 clubs to pass the motion this month, e.g. Ruben Neves from Al-Halal loan to Newcastle. It would not be allowed. So, So what what do we make of this? Is this finally the club starting to flex their muscle uh, uh, in an area where, where they've been ridden roughshod over in, in recent times? Yeah, look, we've spoken about this uh, at length on the show, this idea that 
I think we were talking about Girona last week, weren't we? Who um, were, were a fairy tale story right until you read the bit about the fact they were in the city group, and, and then it didn't look like quite the fairy tale. And yeah, look, I think everyone is concerned about um, clubs being able to trade with each other, give themselves preferential rates and and deals uh, for players within their within their network. I mean, this is. You know, as City and others have expanded their portfolio of clubs, you know, they're diversifying revenue streams. Uh, but, yeah, the idea must have always been that this is a great way to move assets, move assets around a club, uh, around the club system. And, yeah, absolutely, um, Newcastle would have a huge advantage if uh, their owner and the owner of uh, Al-Halal, I think he said, for, for Ruben Nevers, that, you know, being able to get that deal done very nicely and very tidily so i think there are a lot of premier league clubs out there that don't own other don't own other clubs uh, so yeah they probably perceive that as being pretty unfair and of course we saw it a little bit with uh chelsea as well there were some questions there they were offloading plenty of players into the saudi league and then there were questions around the opacity of chelsea's ownership ostensibly a US-led vehicle, but apparently there is some Saudi Arabian money in there too. So, yeah, I, I think, as you said, the, the clubs are taking a stand because they can. Certainly they can, you know, disadvantage uh, an opponent and maybe it's just more it's cynical more than anything else. But at the same time, um, you can understand where they're coming from. Interestingly, I, I'd have to say that Richard Scudamore, the former CEO of the Premier League, he would be... I mean, and Arian and scratching and moaning and complaining because he used to say that uh, he used to say with unbridled passion, and that was that the Premier League is an is the ultimate capitalist market. Uh, if you've got the money, you've got the money. That's where it starts and stops. Um, it's interesting because obviously this phenomenon of multiple club ownerships is really only a recent trend in, in soccer. It's sort of a modern thing, isn't it? So it is, how do you deal with that? What are the FIFA rules in relation to that? I've just got a bad feeling about restrictions. You know, when Aaron Moy transferred from um, Melbourne City to Manchester City, um, there was a related party transaction there. I mean, uh, are these sort of uh, intergroup loans going to be a restraint of trade on free player movement? Um, yeah, there's a lot to it. I just got a bad feeling that I just don't think this is a good precedent. But the Premier League, um, as an entity, um, its rules are set up that it can go to a shareholder vote and the pass mark is 14 out of 20. So um, if Newcastle's on the nose with most of the non-Arab owners, uh, that might vote might actually get up. But it, to me, Derek, Rob... I just don't think it's the right thing that uh, these sort of restrictions are, are put in place because the Premier League is, if you've got the money, you've got the money. Well, we might have to get our old mate Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast uh, and uh, Liverpool University back on to, to dissect this because if there's one bloke who doesn't mince words, it's Kieran uh, when he talks about um, the, the business of football. So maybe we'll just put a pin in that and get back to him later on. Now, Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. The AFC Asian Cup kicks off in mid-January. Register your interest to be on the early bird list to ensure you get an opportunity to book at the best price in advance of the retail launch ggarmy.com is dot com.au is where you go michael 
Absolutely, get on there that uh, we're, we're launching the packages very soon. And and for Matilda's fans, um, they're going to have an opportunity to go to Uzbekistan and see the uh, uh, the Olympic qualifier over in Tashkent, which will be something special. We've been there before. That it's a wonderful country. And don't forget Olympic Games around the corner, Rob, for Matilda's fans. Very oh, oh, back to the great land of the baguette. Mm, All that stinky, and, and, stinky, and, runny cheese. And what was those sausages <laughs> that you were eating last time in the World Cup? You must have inhaled a, oh, the better the part Lina of the sausage. Yeah. They're the ones. You were talking about those. You were making my mouth water. Okay, now, um, lots of news uh, which we will skim through because the Socceroos are in town. And Cameron Burgess, who we're going to talk to in a moment, played 90 minutes while Muslawongo started and played 69 for Ipswich Town on Wednesday as they drew two all against Rotherham. Mitchell Duke played 73 minutes and scored his ninth goal of the season as Mashida Selvia beat Renault for Yamaguchi 2 0 on Sunday to continue their title and promotion celebrations. Matty Ryan was in goal at AZ Alkmaar, lost 2 1 to Villa uh, in the. Um, in Europe, uh, the result leaves AZ bottom on group difference on the Euro uh, League. Now, Jackson Irvine played a full game while Connor Metcalf came off in the 68th for St. Pauli uh, as they returned to Bundesliga 2 action on Saturday with a 2-0 win, staying top of the ladder. Now, for our women, how about Caitlin Ford? You two guys would have loved this. 2-0 down Arsenal against Leicester City. They come back and score six, and Caitlin Ford scores the go get head goal with a lovely little chip over the goalkeeper. Um, did the both of you get to see the highlights of that match or watch it in form? I did, Rob. Caitlin Ford is a superstar. She's in a rich vein of form. Okay, so that's uh, Socceroos Matilda Central, the truncated version. We're going to get to the extended version because we're going to talk, you and I, Michael, very shortly to Cameron Burgess. Uh, came to Australia when he was 11 years old, plays for Ipswich Town now. It's uh, very exciting times for him ahead of the uh, resumption of World Cup qualifying against Bangladesh on Thursday night in Melbourne. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. And we are all very excited that less than 12 months since the last World Cup final, it might be tough for the players and the managers and the coaches and Football Australia to coordinate. But for those of us who love watching football and love watching our national sides, it's great because we get to see a lot more of them play uh, both at home and, and internationally. And uh, we're going to get to see the uh, Socceroos play against Bangladesh in the first step of their, their World Cup qualifying campaign for 2026. And our next guest, uh, I, I think there's a, a lovely contrast between the career that he's had so far and the circuitous route that the Socceroos do take to get to the World Cup because we travel all over the world and the countryside. Now, Cam Burgess is with Ipswich Town right now, but he uh, he came to Australia when he was 11 years old. He was part of the Oli Roos squad under Aurelia Vidmar attempting to qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympics. And now he's been finally, all these years later, called up to the Australian squad, debuted against Mexico uh, in that, uh, that match in September. And he joins us now, Cameron Burgess. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good. Good. Thanks. Good to be uh, talking to you guys today. So you're not a rookie anymore, Cam. Um, you've you know you've played a lot of football over the journey, and your you, your career's taken you far and wide. But uh, for those who are not familiar, you come from a, a, a football pedigree. So your grandfather played for Scotland. Your dad was a professional as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, just um, I mean, growing up, that's football's all I knew. Uh, a lot of it in the family as well, like you said. Um, so yeah, I don't think it was a question that I was going to be involved in football at some some sort of level. And yeah, thankfully I've gone on to do 
well enough to, to still be playing professional today. And uh, I was interested in, you know, just reading a little more of, of your background that um, that even though you, you came to Australia and, and lived in Perth from the age of 11, that part of your, your journey has been in the Scottish Premiership. And uh, and uh, was it uh, bumping into to Jackson Irvine at Ross County, was that a formative moment in, in you thinking to, to change allegiances or was that just coincidence? Uh, I think... If I'm going, if I remember rightly, I'm pretty sure I'd played for the um, the twenty side, the uh, the young sufferers beforehand, um, but it wouldn't have been that far after that I met Jacko, and that would have been probably when I was started playing with the Ollie Roos side around about that sort of time. Um, so I think I'd already made the change. Um, obviously, it was it was handy traveling from. Uh, and places like Inverness with, with Jackal made it a little bit easier to go to a different place around the world and play for Lolly Roos. And, and were, were there moments that, that you, you you did think, have I made the, the right decision? Because that, that's a pretty long stretch from 2016 to 2023 where, where you haven't um, been picked and, and you see you know players like Lyndon Dykes who were born in Australia getting picked. I mean, obviously you play at a different end of the park than he does, but uh, uh, but Scotland's starting to emerge. Um, I mean, was that something that, that you thought on during that time? Not really, to be honest. Um, I guess, obviously, international football is, is the pinnacle, really, um, but you can only get picked if you start doing well for your club. So, of course, it's the case of knuckle down and do the right thing for your club and do the right thing for my for my career personally as well. And, and obviously, it's just a, a huge honour to be selected now. Um, and just, yeah, I guess hard work pays off, I suppose, if you keep doing the right things and always believe you get that chance. And um, when it comes, you've just got to take it with uh, both hands, really. Yeah, well, you've certainly been doing that, and um, and, and what a club career you're having right now with Maslawongo, uh, uh, Ipswich Town, uh, are just doing incredible things, rising up through the ranks from League One into the Championship, and you know, knocking on the door of promotion. Just what is the vibe around uh, around the club right now? Oh yeah, it's, just, it's a huge buzz, uh, huge buzz at the moment, uh, the whole town really, um, from fans uh, right the way through the club as well. It's just a good place to be. Um, great set of lads that obviously me and Mass are both part of as well. So it's um, yeah, it's a pretty special place to be at the moment, and yeah, hopefully that can continue for a little while longer. And uh, and Arnie, you know, he he is prolific in his football watching. Obviously, he has a broader team that are, are watching a lot of football, and he, and he has said that for some time he he's wanted you in the squad, but. Uh, mate, you, you copped a shocking injury. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen this, they ought to get on Twitter and see what happened to your noggin. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty serious fracture of your skull that uh, that that uh, you out from from an earlier call up. But uh, you know, tell us about that injury, how it happened, and the recovery. Yeah, just a, a bit of a freak accident, really. Um, obviously, I'm, 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 you've seen the video, and it's just a case of went to ground and for a slide tackle, try and block the ball, and um, the, the lad and the other team slipped and. Basically managed to catch me sweet on the on the face with his knee and um, yeah, pretty much just shattered the whole right side of my face really. So yeah, it was a, probably a bit of serious one in the end, but um, as soon as it happened and I managed to see the surgeon pretty much straight away and get that done and you just wanted to get back on the pitch really. It was just uh, um, painful at the time, but yeah, it's um, yeah a long time ago now and thankfully everything's all right. Cam, it's Mike Edgley here. Um, thanks to my colleague, just bringing up those memories of you um, smacking your head around. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, what about, um, obviously, debuted in the match against uh, Mexico in Dallas. Uh, you're involved with the, the England and New Zealand games in London. 
all of a sudden, um, the immediate games ahead of for the Socceroos, uh, Bangladesh, Palestine and Lebanon. Um, those of us who work and live in the Asian region know that the Asian teams love to play Australia. They grow a few legs. Just tell us about your own thinking ahead of these games. The, the, the footballing public and the Australian public will expect us to win pretty comfortably, but um, you can never take a game too lightly, can you? you know, what, what, what's been your own thinking about you know when you saw the draw that we were going to play against Bangladesh, Palestine and Lebanon? Yeah, but I think it's like, like you just said there, you can't take any games lightly, that's for sure. And these teams are going to, like you say, grow legs and, and um, like a World Cup final, I suppose, for some of those players, you know. So um, it's not something you have to take lightly and, and, you, and you really have to be on your game, that's for sure. And it's also important for us to, to get off to a good start. Obviously, we've played a lot of um, good teams recently um, and gained some, some great experience from that. But... Um, now comes the the more competitive games, and we uh, we're really looking to get a, a positive start and, and get some good points on the board early on. And what about how much do you know about these teams? I, I know that obviously the staff uh, within the setup of the national team will um, you know will, will will spell it out for you. But have you have you done any of your own research? Do you know some of the players you're going to be coming up against, or have you? Got an idea of um, you know who you're likely to play against? You know what? For me, for me personally, it's more about sort of how they play and, and what they might try and do that that sort of thing, which is obviously covered a lot by the coaches. But there's a lot of experienced guys in this group, you know, that um, you can lean on, and they've they've certainly got their own experiences to to draw back on and, and share that with the boys. You know, be, there's no illusions in this camp that there's going to be any easy games. Um, especially with these two coming up, you know. So, yeah, there's been a lot of um, talk about what sort of styles they might face and, and what they might try and do in the game and, and things like that. And just sort of little things that uh, obviously a lot of the boys can draw back from, from their experience. So it's just been the case of that, really. And, yeah, just um, full focus on getting a, a good start to the campaign. And obviously, your teammate uh, Massimo Lawongo, um, you're obviously, you're obviously um, good mates, and you've um, sharing the journey at Ipswich Town. Both of you are in sensational form. Um, but Massimo's recall to the Socceroos—it was very popular with the fans. Um, he's much loved. He's a bit of a cult figure. Can you just tell us about how much he's been smiling since uh, he, he was back in camp in London? <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh... You know, he was itching to get back involved and obviously seeing everyone, everyone again, um, all the old faces and bring back good memories for him, you know. Um, but he's a, he's a big part of this group and he's a big part of the Ipswich group as well. And, um, everybody loves to be around Matt and, um, yeah, that infectious smile that he brings. And, um, obviously what he brings on the pitch as well is, is massive for the team. So yeah, it's, um, good for me and good for all the other lads to have him involved in this team. And how do you cope with the travel? Uh, Cam, you're a big guy. Um, I know you'll you'll have the business class flights on the way home, but it is a whole day on a on a jet aircraft to come back to Australia, and you, you're obviously um, a, a part of this squad now. So you're gonna you're gonna have some pretty epic uh, travel movements in between your league games. Um, how how do you personally approach the whole project of playing on the weekend in England, jumping on a plane, going to the other side of the earth? Uh, you know, then somewhere in Asia where the weather, playing conditions, surfaces might be difficult, and then back to uh, England for a game. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's still really fresh for me. So it's still like a, well, every game to to, to play for the, the national team is 
is massive and a, and a real privilege. But um, equally, it's it's still all uh, all fresh and all really exciting stuff, you know. Um, and then with the flights, I I don't mind the traveling to be honest. I I try to come back to um, to Perth every off season or as much as I can really um, see friends and family. Um, and long haul flights, I can just sit there and play football managers <laughs> as long as I can really. I like I like sitting doing that. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty well covered on on the flights. That's for sure. And speaking of friends and family, you know, obviously, you know, that uh, uh, excitement that we all feel when a loved one does well and succeeds and, and not not as a, a youngster just bursting out of the scene, but has really uh, done the hard yards traveling um, uh, to, uh, uh, well, it's not necessarily the other side of the world because from where you came from originally, but you were a young kid when you left. Um, just how how excited is the rest of the family that um, that you've got this opportunity um, and potentially again we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but uh, potentially playing you know in a World Cup in a couple of years time. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, um, something that um, for me personally is a, is a huge honour to be involved in, in this team and obviously we have big goals ahead and if we can sort of go ahead and, and do what we what we set out to achieve then it would be a, a, a massive part of my career and my journey um, and then for my friends and family obviously they're just um, yeah buzzing to see me involved and, and watching games and, and taking part in the journey as well you know um, my family uh, have managed to, to come watch uh, the game against England as well so uh, and then I've got family coming across to, to this game uh, on Thursday night against Bangladesh. So, yeah, it's, um, they're on the journey with me and, and obviously uh, really proud as well to, to be a part of it. Yeah, well, we're proud of you, mate, and uh, proud of the Socceroos, uh, as we were of the Matildas during the recent Women's World Cup. Uh, uh, you represent, as a team, the best of what football offers in this country and uh, and we, we're all um, pretty excited about the, the journey that's about to begin, mate. So good luck on Thursday night against Bangladesh. Uh, um, it uh, it won't be simple, but um, but we hope that the, the job starts uh, uh, well. There'll be a lot of loud Bangladeshis there, I can tell you. There's a few of them in Melbourne, that's for sure, mate. They'll be making a bit yeah. of noise. It might feel a little bit like a home game for them at some points, but, yeah. uh, but good luck and, and, uh, and make sure, uh, yeah, enjoy it along the way, mate. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Not at all, Socceroo. Cam Burgess, he plays with Ipswich Town. He came to Australia when he's 11 years old. He comes from a football pedigree and he's playing uh, in a defensive role. Should uh, be, uh, well, at some stage in, in that game, uh, be uh, uh, wearing uh, the uh, the soccer shirt for the third time in his career. Okay, next, we are going to go back to that other side of the world and a team that uh, we monitor so closely for so many reasons. The Azzurri, uh, they haven't made the last two World Cups, but they win the Euros. How do you do that? Well, Italy manages to do that, and uh, our good friend Adriano Del Monte, he's a Melbourne boy, he lives in Milan right now. He's going to be at the Stadio Olimpio, Olimpico on Saturday morning when the nemesis of Italy, North Macedonia, are there waiting for them to see if they can stop them from making a big tournament again. Adriano Del Monte next on box to box Hey, hey, it's time for our good friends at Chemist Warehouse, supporters of the world game. They shore up mainly and particularly at the National Premier League level, but I did see them Michael at uh, Amy Park proudly on the back of the Wellington Phoenix shirts. Obviously Chemist Warehouse doing the job in New Zealand getting a bit of exposure for their magnificent prices uh, as you know Rob I'm heading back to Australia on Saturday and uh, one of the first stops I'll have to do is to go to Chemist Warehouse and restock my travelling medical kit. You will and you'll get some um, 
uh, hay fever symptoms if you suffer from a bit of that when you land edge. Uh, I don't know that you get a lot of it in Bangkok, but um, do you ever suffer from hay fever? I do in Australia. What what gear have they got that can sort me out? Well, you got to get the Demazin Allergy Plus Hay Fever Relief 80 Tablets, 22.99. Now, I know I get the watery eyes, I get the sneezy, the itchy. Mate, the Demazin Allergy Plus Hay Fever Relief, take care of it all, 80 tablets, 22.99. Now, Wagner Health Melatonin, um, you know, when you're traveling around the world, you need a little bit of help sleeping from time to time. Yeah, melatonin helps you sleep. Does it actually help you get a suntan as well? Ah, yes, I have heard that, but no, I don't know that that unintended consequence is um, something that I'm familiar with. But Derek, um, you wouldn't need much melatonin, mate, with a little baby and a toddler around the house. You'd just get to sleep wherever you can, wouldn't you? Yeah, they're, they're getting they're getting better, Rob. Uh, there are a few late, uh, late nights, so getting back to sleep is not always easy. So yeah, maybe I'll head down there and check out melatonin myself. All right, that's the Wagner Health Melatonin 30 tablets for $24.99. And being serious for a moment, Physio Cream, that, or Physio Creme is the correct pronunciation. That is an outstanding product. Physio Creme Joint Ease, 150 grams for $26.99. It's not always the cheapest product to buy, but uh, but if you like your, your strong smelling rubs um, after you've played sport or if you've got nicks and necks that need a little bit of attention, I know that my little Alexander, who I talk about a lot on this show, he has cerebral palsy, and anyone who knows a bit about that condition knows it means very stiff muscles and he loves a massage on his legs just to soften them up and I'll tell you he loves a massage with physio cream so get a hold of this joint he's 150 grams and it will do you right 26.99 now while you're at chemist warehouse you can also save on sports nutrition there's Bondi Protein Co vegan vanilla one kilogram for 37.99 vital strength high protein 1.5 kilograms for 59.49 chemist warehouse the great savings there every single day Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. Great talking to Cam Burgess ahead of the Socceroos uh, opening World Cup fixture against Bangladesh in Melbourne this Thursday night. Going to go along to that game. It's going to be a fantastic night. Hopefully the campaign gets off to the good start and the trajectory towards 2026 is uh, not too bumpy as we would not want it to be. Now, a, a nation who has had a lot of bumps over recent years uh, um, is, um, of course, the Atsuri. They've missed the last two World Cups, but in between they win the Euros. How do you figure that out? Uh, but our, our next guest is um, a Melbourne boy himself, uh, made good over there in, in Milan, watches it all up close and personal. Adriano Del Monte from ESPN, Optus Sports, and pretty much just about every good broadcaster there is around the world. Adriano, how do you work it out? They're a country of contradictions, aren't they, the Italians? It's what Italy live for. Great to be with you guys, as always. It's, uh, it's a country full of drama full of conflict full of, full of history but also full of plenty of success as well and it's yeah. it, it's it's very very hard for for those that aren't italian to really understand but the way that italians play football is culturally the way that italians are and yeah. at times it works at times it doesn't work but look somehow over over time consistently if we consistently win trophies and it, it, it somehow comes to a point where there are many highs but at the moment as you touched on there have been one too many lows and going into this week's final two Euro 2024 playoffs, mm-hmm. I didn't think when the draw would uh, came out that we'd be staring down the barrel of needing four points against North Macedonia and Ukraine to guarantee qualification, if not another trip to a playoff. So 
look, it's been a disappointing campaign, but of course it has been a change in terms of the manager recently. There have been some positive signs, but still plenty of work to do to steal that ticket to Germany next summer. And that change in manager, um, Luciano Spalletti had um, the, the the highest of honours and successes uh, winning the Scudetto with Napoli uh, uh, before stepping down from that role and uh, and taking up the, the national uh, job. He's only been in it for uh, a short time after Roberto Mancini, um, you know, his tenure ended probably sooner than he ex- expected, um, you know, not getting to a World Cup sort of going to do that regardless of whether you've won the Euros. But it just had to be Italy's nemesis, didn't it, that that was standing in the way of this Saturday morning, our time, um, at the Stadio Olimpico. Uh, what what are your thoughts, expectations? What do you know of the current North Macedonia side? Are they uh, equivalent to... Uh, well, certainly Italy won't be underestimating them if they did last time uh, to, their, uh, to their eternal uh, uh, punishment. Well, certainly can't be underestimating last time. Of course, last time referencing the 2022 World Cup playoff and uh, that was a match played in in the south of Italy, in Sicily, in Palermo, where a lot of Italian Australians come from. And it was uh, not a happy return. I was there, and that was yeah, that was I think personally that was as bad as matches I've covered. Obviously, it was I think it was thirty five shots to two, one nil result. North Macedonia scoring in the last minute of the game, and that effectively eliminated Italy from World Cup qualification. Now this time around, it's in Rome. Different atmosphere, different venue. I'm told it will be a sellout. So, look, I think that I think that the this match isn't the concern with respect to North Macedonia, who they themselves need to win this to keep their chances of qualification alive for the Euros as well. So it's not just Italy playing for something here. It's the next match, and if Italy are to get even a result against North Macedonia, then uh, a maximum, well, one point and a maximum result against Ukraine in the following match, or a win against North Macedonia and then a draw against Ukraine. But a match that he played away from home and for obvious reasons not in Ukraine, in Germany. Now, this is the match where I'll be at both of these matches and this is the match against Ukraine where it's been a, a very strong campaign by by Ukraine so far. They've looked very, very good. I covered their match here in Italy against Italy. They went down 2-1, but it was a spirited performance. And this is the one certainly where... Yeah, there are some doubts, some questions being asked, and especially about Luciano Spalletti. You mentioned, of course, he's come in to replace Roberto Mancini, who Mancini did a great job in his time. But obviously, you miss the World Cup, and then the results, uh, he started to struggle from there. And I, I think the, the change was made at the right time. Spalletti comes in off the back of that Napoli school, that's all, but obviously only four games in charge to date. Hasn't had enough time, really, to stamp his authority. And... With the squad that's picked, there are a couple of new names, there are a couple of questions being asked. So, look, I certainly take nothing for granted and four points against these two nations it is no certainty, but they have the quality. Can they get it together? That's the big question. So, looking at the, the squad that Spurs pulled together, one of the most noticeable things is that there are first call-ups for two players, Andrea Cambiasso of Juventus and Andrea Colpani of Monza. Um, can you tell us a little bit about these players and are they there really to put out the cones or have they got a, a chance of, of doing anything in either of the games? Well, look, I think in, we'll start with Cambiasso, of course. He's a defender at Juventus who's coming through and it's great to see the success that Juventus have had this season integrating a few younger players into their lineup, which has been great. And Cambiasso has been one of the beneficiaries there. So, look, he comes into a team 
that I, look, I don't like this Israeli squad at all. If I'm being very honest, there are there are many issues with the squad. It's the shadow of the squad that it was two years ago. That's just it's just plain and simple. It's just not the same level. But with a player like Cambiasso coming through, 23 years of age, left side of defender, can play left fullback, and I think he'll have his work cut out for some minutes here, given the form of Di Marco from Inter. Particularly, we saw a wonder goal by Di Marco in Serie A over the weekend, and certainly I think he has that left back spot nailed down for the time being. But Cambiasso, it will be a great experience for he, because I certainly can see him featuring in the squad for the Euros next summer if Italy are to qualify. In the form of Kopani, it's an interesting one because not many saw this coming. I read a stat the other day that he scored the most goals by any midfielder in the top leagues in Europe after Jude Bellingham, if you want to include Bellingham in that sort of role. But Kopani has come in from Monza. Look, again, not many were expecting this, but given the current state of the Italian midfield, there was a need for reinforcements. A couple of notable absentees due to injury, particularly Lorenzo Pellegrini from Roma, who remains one of the top players, but a lot of, well, recalled names into the squad that not many were anticipating. Jorginho certainly one who many thought his time in a bloody shirt were over. So look, there are opportunities in midfield there for players to come in and make their mark, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a Kulpani get minutes at least in the first match against North Macedonia to stake his claim for uh, maybe not a starting berth against Ukraine, but certainly minutes in that match as well. But in the end, if I'm being very honest, I do not like the look of this Italy squad, but the, they're the players entrusted with the job. Can they get the full points required to go to Germany next summer? Yeah, strong views there, Adriano. And I suppose one thing you're, you're pointing out is, well, the kind of wreckage of the um, of, of the betting and the gambling scandal, I suppose. Tonali, of course, won't be in the mm. squad, but he has picked... Zaniolo, with the reports indicating that he won't get a, a ban um, as mm-hmm. such, but, but maybe fined. And but can you emphasise just how disruptive this whole saga has been? And you know, were there other people that have been calling for Zaniolo not to be included? It's been an interesting one because, again, as I touched on off the top, where there's Italian football, there's always drama. And I think if, if you look back historically, whenever there is drama. For some reason, the Italian national team win tournaments. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to come out and win this upcoming tournament next year. Again, need to qualify first. But look, in the case of Zaniolo, obviously, obviously Fagioli and Tonali have been suspended. So they would have been two midfielders in that squad that will not be there come the Euros and obviously not there this, this weekend. But Zaniolo, to be, to be frank, the talk here in Italy has gone a little quiet over the last seven days. So there's no real controversy to be to be fair around his selection in the squad I think many are aware that Spalletti has to pick the the best possible squad he has and Zaniolo is is currently a part of that so there's no real um, there's no real conjecture around his selection here it's an attack that looks again very different to the attack that we saw two years ago at the at Euro 2020 and I look I just think he'll be a player who Perhaps not a key attacker at this point, given what's been going on in his in his personal life off the field, but certainly someone who can come in and, and make their mark. But at, at this stage, there's still a lot of uncertainty there. When we talk about the, the betting scandal in general, there are still many names who have been linked to that. But to be fair, since since the bans that were handed out for Fagioli and Tonali, the, the talk on that front has gone a little quiet, but certainly by far it's not the end of it just yet. 
Yeah, and finally, we're moving our way up the pitch in this squad. And one of the other omissions was uh, Chiro Immobile, um, obviously mm. struggling with a hand, uh, hamstring injury, but scored a goal for Lazio in the Champions League against Feyenoord recently. He's not there. Whether you know, is that a surprise? And where where are the goals going to come from in these two games? Who's going to get the ball in the back of the net for Azuri? Look, is Immobile a surprise? It's an interesting one because you can argue at both ends. I, I really did feel that after missing the World Cup, it was time to turn the page for Italy on a number of the Euro 2020 heroes uh, across every line. And Immobile, unfortunately, was one of those. However, Spalletti has selected Jorginho, which to me makes less sense than having selected Chilo Immobile, particularly with an attack that are struggling for goals. Now, with the North Macedonia match being played at Rome, Chilo Immobile is so strong at the Stadio Olimpico. He proved that in the Euros in the Italy shirt, scoring in, in two of the three matches there. He's a player who knows that venue very well. It's a match which Italy simply must win. If Jorginho is there, I would have picked Immobile over a couple of those attackers that have been selected. Looking at the attack, though, where will the goals come from? There is one notable name in that squad that has been absent from recent squads, always pulled out last minute due to injury, and that's Federico Chiesa. He remains the, with respect, the lone world-class or tipping world-class attacker in that squad. And I think certainly Chiesa can and will make a difference for this Italy team ultimately. Look, I think if Italy are to obtain the points, he has to be at his absolute best. We saw at Wembley, I was there at uh, last international break, they, uh, Spalletti lined up with, a, with an attacking trio of uh, El Sharawi, Berardi and Skamaka. Look, make of it what you will, but that trio of attackers aren't going to, to frighten the top defences in world football. But with the with Chiesa in there, getting back to some of his best forms, suddenly it does look a little more potent, that attack. And Skamaka has shown signs at Atalanta this season that he can... He's got the physical strength, the prowess to, to become very important for the Sicily team. Who knows, perhaps with Akiyah playing off him, he can go to another level as well. So I certainly think the the inclusion of Kiesa, a fifth Kiesa in that squad, can potentially make the difference for the Sicily team. And to be fair, again, with respect, while on paper maybe not the strongest Italy attack we've ever seen in history, there are some players there in some really good form at club level. Again, can they bring it on the big stage in the next week? Now, Adriano, um, you know I, I'm married to a, a girl of Italian extraction over three decades. Um, I do. I'm well <laughs> familiar with the fact that uh, the Italians, despite all of their wonderful successes over the years, uh, they're notorious pessimists. I mean, some people say that an Italian not only thinks that the glass is half empty, but somebody's poisoned the half glass. Now, if <laughs> I was to buy my Gazzetta della Sport, the pink papers, uh, of that great publication, what 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 feeling am I going to get from the ground? Uh, is there a sense of pessimism? Has optimism been allowed to creep back in? Uh, what's the the vibe um, of, uh, of of the uh, the country that you're feeling right now as somebody who's got their, their finger on the pulse? Look, I can assure you there is plenty of pessimism about there. There's nothing changes. Doesn't it doesn't matter what the occasion is. Nothing changes. No one wants to say anything positive about anything in case they are the reason that. They jinx the ultimate outcome. It's, it's part of the culture here. And again, very difficult for those that don't understand to understand. But look, it's uh, there is, again, given the squad, given what's there, given recent results, there is, I won't say very little to be optimistic about, but there is reason to be concerned, legitimate reason to be 
concerned that potentially history could repeat itself. Now, we've seen when we talk to World Cup playoffs, yes, missed the last two World Cup playoffs, losing out to Sweden, losing out to North Macedonia. This is a little bit different coming in because, of course, these aren't playoffs. First of all, this is the remaining two rounds of the of the qualification for the Euros. If, 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 a big if, but if Italy are not able to obtain the four points required to directly qualify to the Euros, then they will go to the playoff version for the Euros, which will take place next March. So elimination is not possible here, and that's due to Italy's great performance in the Nations League, yes. uh, the last Nations League edition. So coming in while there is the ongoing pessimism, but there is still confidence that it's not over just yet. Now, will that feed into the, ah, we'll do enough to get through eventually mentality, which is very true in this culture as well? Well, time will tell. But look, I certainly think with that little bit less pressure on Italy coming in, they can't be eliminated just yet. Look, I'll be very surprised if Italy don't get the three points against North Macedonia. However, in the reverse picture, that did end all square. It was 1-1 in September mm. in Macedonia. Um, that they, the home team there scored nine minutes from time to make it 1-1 after an immobile opener. So they'll need to work hard, but I certainly think the three points will come in that match. I then think the questions will be asked in Germany against Ukraine, which if Italy are to beat North Macedonia, a draw will be enough against Ukraine due to a better head-to-head. They'll end up on the same points, but that will be the, the, the big test, and that will effectively be the playoff. But I think we'll see a very positive Italian display in Rome. Let's see what happens a few days later in Germany. Absolutely, Adriano. And for, and for people from Melbourne, um, sadly, Adriano, Cafe Noturnal is now closed. So the, 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 exactly. It was the, the place, the pulsing place where, where just about every Italian in Melbourne descended on in the middle of Ligon Street. So they're going to have to find somewhere else to watch it, but, uh, uh, they'll find somewhere, that's for sure. I know we're already preparing my son and his mate and his uh, mate's dad to, to get down there bright and early somewhere and, and watch the game. So uh, you'll enjoy it, mate, at uh, the Stadio Olimpico and um, and, and in, uh, in Germany when you get to the Ukraine game. And um, and for every passionate Azzurri out there, mate, uh, we, we hope that uh, the, the, uh, the, the shroud of pessimism uh, departs and, uh, and Italy take their, their uh, rightful place defending their, uh, their Euro title. Absolutely. Enjoy the match. Certainly looking forward to it. And pleasure as always to join you. Good on you, Adriano Del Monte. He, he's fantastic talking to him. We love him. He's a, a passionate uh, Australian, but also a passionate uh, Italian as well, if uh, if you can be both. Okay, stick around. World Cup Corner next on Box to Box. Well, 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 everybody's going to buy Hoyt Spices. Everyone's going to save a dollar or two. Everybody's going to buy Hoyt Spices, yeah. Derek, how often do we talk about flavour pack meals on this show? All the time. I'm, I often think that we should have a spin-off food podcast, Rob. I agree. Now, I was at um, my good friend's uh, Heat and Grill down in Bridge Road in Richmond. Now, if you're not from Melbourne, it's sort of you know pretty close to the city. It's a Weber specialist store. Now, I went to a barbecue masterclass. It was just fan bloody tastic. And I ate some of the best wings that I've ever eaten. And you know what they were? They were spiced with, Michael. Bit of chili. Yes. Paprika? You got it. So you've been listening. I have. No nutmeg. So chili paprika, thyme, ground mustard, cayenne pepper, salt, and my favorite four-color peppercorn mix. So that was the rub, right? With olive oil. Olive oil, exactly, right, on the barbecue. And then next, how about this for a a, a dipping sauce, right? Some sour cream and whole egg mayonnaise. Again, the pepper, some nice uh, garlic powder, a little sugar, salt, 
and then oregano, cumin, mustard powder, coriander, and some orange and lime zest in the mix. So you make the barbecue, and then the secret ingredient, you get the sriracha sauce with a little butter on a, on a saucepan, and then you baste the, uh, the, the wings once you barbecue them, put them in a bowl, put a little bit more of that base on, and get that lovely dipping sauce uh, uh, going. Oh, fair dinkum. I, I reckon I had a kilo myself. I tell you what, when you put that um, uh, mix on the grill, did it set off a bit of bit of smoke did it look like you were in the middle of a bushfire no it didn't we were inside they've got the best um oh, the fans uh, fan, yeah what do you call them the um exhausts over the, the ovens yeah. yeah that's what they had it was all pumped out so you know if you want to eat food flavor packed food like that it is easy you just get the spices you make a rub get it on the barbecue you'll be absolutely doing yourself as the great molly meldrum used to say on countdown doing yourself a favor at coles Woolworths, and all good independent supermarkets Fill those empties with points and spices, yeah. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. It's World Cup Corner, a proper World Cup Corner back. Yeah, we've sort of been padding it out a little a bit since the Women's World Cup. But, uh, you know, if we're, we're playing in a World Cup qualifier on Thursday night, then I think we're entitled to keep the badge of the name. Uh, now, Edge, no one, unless they play the game or they're an administrator or a journalist working with and it goes to more World Cups than, than you do. Um, do. Do you ever lose the excitement? Of, of these big events. I know I was talking to you uh, off air about um, going to some other big events and, you know, when you do get through the cycle of, of going to, to some, uh, to some events, you, you know, you don't always love it as much as you used to the first time. So it, do you ever lose that, that vibe, that passion? Oh, not at all. Um, World Cup qualifications, massive. And um, you've only got to have had the journey that I've had in the sport to realize um uh, you've got to love the qualifications because uh, there was a time when we didn't qualify, Rob, and it was pretty hard mm. going. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, with with the, the expansion of the World Cup, this is going to be a new journey for Australian football fans. But I was just looking at uh, some of these qualification matches that are happening in Asia. And, I mean, here in Thailand, they're hosting China um, on Thursday um, at Raja Bengala Stadium and everyone involved in football in Thailand is jumping out of their skin. They reckon they've they've got China, they can get them. Um, you know, um, Singapore, you know, they're spending a lot of money on their football program. They travel to South Korea. Um, Malaysia's got Kyrgyzstan. Malaysia's given themselves a big chance to get a, to get a win. So some of these, uh, there's a new journey. And um, yes, the Socceroos will qualify comfortably. I think there's no question about that. But I'm thinking about some of our um, regional Southeast Asian partners who for the first time get to live what we have for the last 20 years. You know, um, Thailand, Malaysia, um, you know, Turkmenistan, um, Philippines, Vietnam, all these places, they've never qualified for a World Cup. At last they get a chance. It's yeah, exciting. It's a- yeah, no, it exactly is. And and Derek, um, you know, as somebody who grew up, cut their teeth on World Cups and, you know, England, uh, uh, not your first team, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, in at least in the world game, that is. Um, but um, how, how has 
your sort of transition to to following the national side. We know you enjoyed the the Women's World Cup from both the Matildas and a Lioness's point of view. Um, what's your level of um, enthusiasm for for this World Cup qualifier on Thursday night uh, as a uh, you know as a as a dad now who's got two uh, two Aussie born kids? You're really making the case there, Rob, aren't you? Just uh, let, let, slathering it on there. Um, look, I mean, obviously, this is where I live now, and and clearly, I'm very invested uh, as a, as an Australian citizen in the uh, the Socceroos doing well. Obviously, in the last World Cup, it was absolutely fantastic uh, being here. Went to some good parties, some some late night games around at different people's houses, enjoying the overall um, sentiment towards the uh, towards the national side and everyone getting involved, and and of course. Uh, was very keenly following the Matildas during the, uh, the the Women's World Cup as well. So there's no doubt that, you know, Australia qualifying is really important, not just for this podcast and for our listeners, but but for Australia and the growth of the game over here. I think we all want to see a raising of standards of Socceroos, of, of A-League, and we want to see more players playing overseas as well at top clubs. So, yeah, absolutely. Got to, got to, got to get on board and... I'm sure that they'll they'll go right starting uh, with the game coming up. What about these? Um, considering the geopolitical considerations at the moment, there'll be a very emotional game on Thursday night. The uh, the, the cross game in our own Group C, uh, Lebanon will host Palestine. Uh, I expect that'll be a very emotional night. Um, and Israel, they're playing Switzerland in Hungary. So uh, I'm actually not sure whether Lebanon and Palestine game is going to be played. Maybe that's a job for you, Rob, to try and find that out. But, yeah, I mean, it's not just about Australia's qualification journey. There's some there's going to be some very um, some incredible ups and downs, and um, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to the first upset. And uh, your wish is my command. Um, Lebanon and Palestine will be played at the Khalid bin Mohammed Stadium in the UAE. Um, okay, yeah, it's yeah. in uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, okay, so that's probably where Australia will play Lebanon as well. There's a huge Lebanese community in the Emirates, obviously, massive mm-hmm. Lebanese community. So uh, there'll be uh, plenty of support for them. Okay. All right, well, we have plenty of World Cup Corner to talk about next week, guys, um, off the back of this game and uh, and, and watching it, uh, monitoring it closely. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to going along myself and, uh, and, and seeing uh, just how the boys go and some of these new faces. It's great to see that Arnie's, um, you know, not gone route one for, uh, for, for this squad. Um, he, uh, you know, doesn't have everyone available to him, but, um, but he's, he's picked players in form and, uh, and you'd expect as, as enthusiastic as the Bangladeshis, uh, will be and they'll, they'll have their moments, but, um, but the, uh, the Socceroos ought to be able to get the job done and, uh, and get this campaign off to the right start. All right, Derek, uh, until next week, mate. Thank you. All the best, gents. See you next time. And, Michael, you have a good few days until we resume the conversation in stoppage time. Thanks, Rob. You too. And our good friend Adam Maloney panelling and producing this show. Thank you very much for that excellent job you always do. Now, if you have a moment, we ask every week, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your favourite shows and make sure to subscribe to Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on X formerly known as Twitter. I know I probably shouldn't say it, but I said it anyway. Like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.